Welcome to Take This Poem Podcast, where we explore the rich, wild things that good poems can do in the everyday lives of ordinary folks. I'm your host, Mary Guidis. Whether you're a longtime poetry lover like I am, or just barely interested, I invite you to take this poem. I hope it amends the soil of your life. Hello, poetry friends. I think this episode is due to be released in February, if I understood Mary correctly. So February is the month that contains Valentine's Day. And I thought, well, what better month than to have a set of poems dealing with, as is said by the preacher in Monty Python's Holy Grail, Mowage. So I've got three poems here on marriage for you. I'm not going to say too much about them. I think they're pretty accessible, each of them. I just will say that I'm going to read them in an order that, to me at least, seems to fit various stages in an enduring marriage. Um, The first poem is by Denise Dumahel. She's a contemporary writer. It's called How It Will End. It's a very funny poem, and it's, I think, about eh, a younger marriage, maybe one that's been going on for eh, five to maybe ten years. That's just my guess. Um, The next poem is by one of Mary's favorite poets, Stephen Dunn, and this is one of my favorite poems by him. It's called After the Argument, and it's a little more nuanced, a little more sophisticated, at least in its uh, subject matter and the way that uh, Dunn goes about telling us of what's going on in the poem. It's, I think, indicative of maybe a marriage that's been gone on, going on for 20 years or so, something like that. That's just a guess again. And then I'm going to finish with a a lovely poem by Wendell Berry called The Wild Rose. And this is a poem about an enduring marriage, one that's gone through probably a fair amount of years. And um, I've, I've written this out and given it to my wife um, twice, I think, over the years, um, or at least alluded to it uh, a second time. First time was probably when we were about 20-some years into our marriage. And more recently, I just posted it, I think, on Facebook for her. um, Just to reaffirm, after now 42 years, that I still think the same way. So I hope you enjoy these. And I, I wanted to read the first two because I don't want this to be too sappy. And Barry's poem isn't sappy, but it is, it's truly lovely. But you got to get through uh, some of the muck in bringing two lives, two generally selfish lives together. Um, and before you get to reach a point of, of harmony, there's some dues to be paid. So here's the first one called How It Will End by Denise Dumahel. We're walking on the boardwalk, but stop when we see a lifeguard and his girlfriend fighting. 
We can't hear what they're saying, but it is as good as a movie. We sit on a bench to find out how it will end. I can tell by her body language he's done something really bad. She stands at the bottom of the ramp that leads to his hut. He tries to walk halfway down to meet her, but she keeps signaling, don't come closer. My husband says, boy, he's sure in for it. And I say, he deserves whatever's coming to him. My husband thinks the lifeguard's cheated, but I think she's sick of him only working part-time, or maybe he forgot to put the rent in the mail. The lifeguard tries to reach out, and she holds her hand like Diana Ross when she performed Stop in the Name of Love. The red flag that slaps against his station means strong currents. She has to just get it out of her system, my husband laughs, but I'm not laughing. I start to coach the girl to leave the no-good lifeguard, but my husband predicts she'll never leave. I'm angry at him for seeing glee in their situation and say, that's your problem. You think every fight is funny. You never take her seriously. And he says, you never even give the guy a chance and you're always nagging. So how can he tell the real issues from the nitpicking? And I say, she doesn't nitpick. And he says, oh, really? Maybe he should start recording her tirades. And I say, maybe he should help out more. And he says, maybe she should be more supportive. And I say, do you mean supportive or do you mean support him? And my husband says that he's doing the best he can, that he's a lifeguard for Christ's sake. And I say that her job is much harder, that she's a waitress who works nights carrying heavy trays and is hit on all the time by creepy tourists. And he just sits there most days napping and listening to Power 96. And then, ooh, he gets to be the big hero blowing his whistle and running into the water to save beach bunnies who flatter him. And my husband says, it's not as though she's Miss Innocence. And what about the way she flirts, giving free refills when her boss isn't looking or cutting extra large pieces of pie to get bigger tips? Oh, no, she wouldn't do that because she's a saint and he's the devil. And I say, I don't know why you can't just admit he's a jerk. And my husband says, I don't know why you can't admit she's a killjoy. And then, out of the blue, the couple is making up. The red flag flutters and hangs limp. She has her arms round his neck and is crying into his shoulder. He whisks her up into his hut. We look around, but no one is watching us. After the Argument by Stephen Dunn Whoever spoke first would lose something. That was the stupid, unspoken rule. The stillness would be a clamor, a capo on a nerve. He'd stare out the window. She'd put away dishes, anything, for some noise. They'd sleep in different rooms. The trick was to speak as if you hadn't spoken, a comment so incidental it wouldn't be counted as speech, or to touch while passing, 
an accident of clothing, billowy sleeve against rolled-up cuff. They couldn't stand hating each other for more than one day. Each knew this. Each knew the other's body would begin to lean. The voice yearned for the familiar confluence of breath and syllable. When? Who first? It was Yalta, always on some level, the future, the next time. This time, there was a cardinal on the bird feeder. One of them was shameless enough to say so. The other pleased to agree. And their sex was a knot untying itself, a prolonged coming loose. The Wild Rose by Wendell Berry. Sometimes hidden from me in daily custom and in trust, so that I live by you unaware as by the beating of my heart. Suddenly you flare in my sight, a wild rose blooming at the edge of thicket, grace and light where yesterday was only shade. And once more I am blessed, choosing again what I chose before. Happy Valentine's Day. Part of my vision for this podcast was to have it be interactive. I pictured a virtual bonfire poetry reading where friends, family, local poets, and you can come together to warm our hands on some poetry. If there's a poem that has done some action in your everyday life, surprised you, delighted you, or maybe just more quietly worked its way into your bones, you know I would love to hear about it. Email me at takethispoempodcast at gmail.com and let me know your story. Maybe you can join me in sharing it with others as well. <laughs>